Hello, and welcome back to the Dad and Sons podcast. I'm your host, co-host, <laughs> random dude in the back, Mad Visual. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we have our lovely boys today, uh, Liam and George. Hello. Hello. I'm lovely. Uh, uh, hi. Other guy at the back here. <laughs> Dad or son. You You decide. You decide indeed. How it feels like a long time since we last spoke. I know it isn't. It's literally only a week and a day, but it, it feels like forever. Both me and like Matt a... have been on planes since yeah. then. Yeah, that sounds gross and and weird. Dude. And I mean, on one hand, I'm like sad that I missed you. On the other hand, not really because of. The pandemic. I I didn't even bother ask George. I didn't even I, I you, noticed. You, you, I I I did notice after you came home from Atlanta <laughs> and said I just got home from Atlanta and I was like, okay. Because I knew what the answer was going to be, George. We both knew. I know you, George, by now. So it's just like I was like, I could visit George for like an hour, right? Before, like, I go do whatever I have to do, but I feel like George is gonna be like, ah, it's so sad, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, let me just save George that answer. <laughs> let me just save George because I know you're gonna hate doing it. So I did. I did wonder if I was gonna see like a a a YouTube rekindling. <laughs> I was I was there for twelve hours. Yeah, I was there for twelve hours. I got there at um five thirty. And left at um, about eight eight o'clock. Wow! How long's the flight? So you were you were there for a day. Yes, yes. The flights. I I so so let me let me tell you. So the reason why I, I wanted to do just one day. So I flew during the nights. Right. I didn't have to do Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. I just jumped there. Um, got what I needed to do done. Got my registration for my car. So I can switch it to California finally. Um, get my my teeth finally done. Get these attachments off, so I can just finish it up after three years of these fucking Invisaligns. Finally done. No more trays. Um, and I was looking on the internet, and it's usually around four hundred, five hundred dollars for a round trip. Spirit had a hundred dollars for a round trip. Fifty dollars <laughs> per fucking flight. How are oh. they even making money off of that? Oh, that's that's wild. And if you if you know Spirit, because it's so cheap, you pay for everything, <laughs> carry ons, everything. Right? You can't get away. You like food, water. You, they ready with their little iPad. They're like, oh, okay, you want water? Okay, that'll be like three fifty. Like it's just they're mm-hmm. they're ready. They're ready. I'm I'm I am acquainted with uh with this company. Yes. yes, yes. So you know they ask you to pick a seat, and I'm just like, why are they asking me to pick a seat? Like obviously, no one's gonna be sitting next to each other, right? Six feet, right? In the airport, they're saying that nope. it's six feet. You have to stay six feet. Wear your mask at all time, or you won't, or you will be escorted out. All that shit. And you get inside the plane. If there's too many people, you sit in the middle oh, of people. That sounds. Mine was the absolute opposite. Mine was a full plane. Seat to seat to seat to seat to seat to seat to seat. Everybody sat next to each other, all wearing masks. But it doesn't. Look, you're so close. Everybody to sat next to each other. Like, mine was like 
what my, right next to me like a couple of inches some yeah. random ass dude i my first plane, hor- horrifying my first plane was packed my first plane was packed yeah everyone was like really like really worried they're like i can't get off the plane i'm not gonna miss my plane but i'm sitting next to someone all the middle seats were just taken i was like there's just there's no other seat left i i i i I assumed i assumed that you did not sit next to someone i just assumed that i thought that that's right that's what you do no that's not the case it's not the case so I, you don't have like two empty seats on no, either side. Not even that, one. That, you see that cut my hopes up. Yep. So I had a middle seat. Mine was exactly the same. I had a middle seat and I asked and there was nothing left. But I did get a chance to get um I, I sat next to someone, but it was like emergency seat, so I, nobody was in front of me. So it was like a couple on the other two seats and I was at the aisle seat. So I was, we were both just kind of like kind of scooting away from each other. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and I'll try not to touch you. <laughs> Hopefully we both don't have COVID. <laughs> just sit here and whatever. And uh, yeah, it worked out. It worked out. And the, the next flight, there was barely anybody on that plane. Thank God. So I had a whole aisle to myself. So I stretched out. And try to sleep. I can never sleep on planes. I don't know how people do it. I can't. I can't sleep. I watched the. I watched the Mandalorian and the Lion King. Huh? How long was your flight? Four hours, non. Four hours, non-stop. Four hundred dollars for twelve. For hours. a chance of COVID, I don't Day. know, man. I take my chances with COVID, man. Hundred dollars, non-stop. Mine was, mine was two up to Sapporo. So I went up to Sapporo for a four-day weekend this weekend, which kind of took the edge off a little bit. Be- no, sorry. It it was a little edgy because we booked it like a month and a half ago when the go the, this new campaign in Japan called the Go To campaign had started, where they're trying to encourage people to go to different places in Japan, giving you money off like Airbnbs, giving you money off like restaurants in the area. Wow, how does that work? Basically, trying to encourage a, a boom in the economy. Of course. Trying to get people moving around the country right now when there's COVID is not the best of idea if you're getting people from Tokyo going <laughs> to the countryside and doing all that kind of garbage. But Sapporo is one of the highest hit places for Corona and, and, the, and the case is just rising and rising and rising. And we're like, fuck, we're going away for the weekend. This is going to suck. Um, lo and behold, the governor of Sapporo was like, oh, that's it. All bars close at 10 p.m. So we were <laughs> like, oh, Great. Now we have to find awesome. other things to do. But to be fair, I had an absolutely great time. Sapporo is like an A-star city. Like, guys, we are going to Sapporo when you guys come here, when the vaccines are freely available. We all know everything's fine because yeah. Sapporo is easily one of, if not my favorite place in Japan right now. It is such wow. a great city. It's fantastic. I had a great time and we didn't do the things we were supposed to be doing. I mean, we still drank a lot of beer and stuff, but it was mostly accompanied by walking around the city at night and feeling the cold. But uh, the airplane ride was only two hours from Osaka. And even then, like the whole plane was packed full of people. Everybody wearing masks, of course. There was one douchebag who had to be told twice by the uh, flight attendants to like keep putting his mask back on. He's like this Japanese some old teenager. white dude on the plane. No, 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 thankfully. I was the only, I was, me and my friend were the only <laughs> foreigners on the entire plane. But that's understandable because there's no foreigners in Japan right now. 
in, in the back of your head where you're like, thank God you're not a white guy. Thank God you're not a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just like, put your mask on, you dick. Fuck. <laughs> I, I was being the opposite. <laughs> just put your goddamn mask on, dude. Just because yeah. you're like young and youthful doesn't mean I am. Yeah. The dudes were just scoffing every time the lady would come by, like, can you please put your mask on? Like, you're not even talking on the phone. Like, put your fucking yeah. mask on. Like, what are you doing? It was, it was, yeah, it was frustrating. <laughs> and he was on the row across from me. So he oh, was like God. four seats down, which was also, I'd, but for that whole two hours, like, I usually really like plane rides and I can settle in, but due to the compact nature, and it's one of those commercial planes where it's it's three seats, then the middle, and yeah. then three seats, right? Oh, it's like God. a bus. So that. it's just a packed plane. And for the whole two hours, I'm just like, I want to get off. I want to get off as soon as possible. I just want to just get off now and then less chance of current. Do, do you feel it? Do you feel that like that impending doom? Like you start to feel a little woozy a little bit. You're like, I'm like, you, you, you get inside your head. You know, mm, being around mm, so many mm. people, like I don't want to get sick. Yeah. I don't want to get sick. Like, like even you're regular stuck in sick. a scratch, scratch yeah. in your throat. You eat yeah. something just to see if you can still taste yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even COVID, just like any any type of sick. I don't want to be any type. I don't want the sniffles. I don't want anything. Like I don't even want a little cough. It feels like you're doing something wrong as well. Like you, yeah. like. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be doing it. And it's like, why am I risking it? And um, which is not great. Why have social interactions? Why why go outside oh. and get some vitamin D? Like why? Oh, why stay inside and become depressed? Because that's how humans oh. work. Oh, you know, no. I know. Come on, I know, guys. I know. Let's let's not go down the road. Like vaccines, <laughs> uh, 90 percent success rate, ninety four percent success rate. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know we'll be we'll be golden soon i hope yeah, fingers crossed work. god damn it rip don't take away our rights right george don't take away our rights i'm about to go to the streets with with signs you know fuck your feelings trump 2020 <laughs> <laughs> i i i i can't absolutely stand the fact that liam was like that's okay we don't have to dwell on this the the loneliness and the misery of yeah. being online all the fucking time is is gradually taking over my life and was going to be the topic of one of the small talks I wanted to do this week. Yeah, please do. Which, uh, I, I feel yeah, it, a documentary. I uh, wanted to talk about an excellent documentary I watched called Feels Good Man. God. Feels God, I don't good, comma, man. <laughs> so, so All right. Uh-huh. This is a documentary about Pepe the Frog. And uh, specifically about the life of Pepe the Frog's creator, who is a cartoonist. Oh, feels good, man. He's a cartoonist named Matt Fury, who originally drew Pepe in his like young adulthood, post-college days about a, a wacky comedic hijinks of, of other animal characters um, living in a house together, being silly slacker roommates the the documentary goes into why of all those characters it was pepe that appealed to to always online dwellers of the internet how uh it was kind of the the quote-unquote little sister of the group the the background character who occasionally gives a funny quip that became the one everyone latched onto, and how kind of addressing characters in in the sense of of 
them appealing to the internet because they're they're a background character, lovable loser type, isn't even necessarily um, accounting for the sheer randomness of what becomes a meme on the internet. This documentary had a very knowingly difficult time explaining the minutiae and the lore behind how the internet has changed over the past three years and what specifically happened to Pepe, that it doesn't go into like a step-by-step history of um, Pepe becoming a, an, an alt-right edgelord icon so much as it conveys the emotional experience of what it's like making Pepe and seeing it turn into that. And in that regards, like it was fantastically done. A lot of uh, the artistry of documentary filmmaking is how it conveys that emotional experience. There will be these fancy montages of ridiculous looking trippy animations of like Pepe melting into a swastika and then melting into a like like Jewish caricature from, from propaganda art while slow gurgling bass plays in the background. And then it'll cut to Matt Fury himself who's like who is characterized in the documentary is like the sweetest, nicest guy who's also kind of behind the times technologically and doesn't want anything to do with what his character has become. It'll cut from horrible, awful 4chan based um, Pepe memes with with uh, the scary music playing in the background to this guy who's who's so incredibly sweet and soft-spoken and aloof and he kind of looks like Pepe him, himself <laughs> in, in a weird way where, where the face and the eyes kind of kind of weirdly match up and uh, Pepe's face and eyes is a recurring theme you see in all this guy's art and one of which is like a children's book that is just like the most beautiful cute wholesome thing he wanted to sell it and and he wanted to be known as a guy who made successful where the wild things are style surrealistic children's art he didn't want to be known as the guy who made pepe the the (laughs) slacker comics from from his younger days but instead he became known as the guy who created the like alt-right neo-nazi adjacent an internet meme Pepe rather than than whatever it had to do with his his comics and it is it's absolutely crushing watching this guy like go on a daddy daughter bike ride with his adorable little girl side by side next to another children's book author using Pepe as a character in a book trying to teach children Islamophobia it's the most uncomfortable but also humanizing piece of 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 works i've seen in a in a long ass time and that's that's perfect subject material that they're trying to cover here in terms of writing that line between between awkward cringy awfulness and uh there being the uh wake up call that that comes with the realization that oh my god these are real people who have other career goals and families and and lives just as intimate and complicated as our own move it is interesting to see especially in, for one why on earth pepe became what it became like it's a frog it's a yeah it's frog the the movie doesn't give you concrete answers why like like it goes more into the how than the why the the movie itself just says it's random it's all sort of related to like kekistan and kek and all that kind of garbage as well isn't it um, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how something you made in 2005 could be <laughs> 15 years later, such a symbol of, can you imagine just drawing a cartoon on a post-it note one day and being like, huh, that was funny. And then 15 years later, it cuts to like a, a future premonition of your 
cartoon post-it note being a symbol for literally the fall of democracy itself. And and then it also has scenes of the protests in Hong Kong where Pepe was was used for like pro-democracy <laughs> where they had no idea what it stood for in america and and they still embraced it and and would like march in the streets against the police with with pepe symbology versus how it works in and the usa and it's it it's so wild and and weird and uh, it, it's aware of how wild and weird it is but it doesn't relish in it it's responsibly done it was um to an extent, to the extent that it uh, shines a spotlight on some of the worser actors in in this story. And that's a problem that I think documentaries tackling these sorts of subject matters of internet meme culture are going to have to question themselves, is how do you make a story like this without giving some of the worst actors the spotlight? There's a lot of footage in this um, documentary from Alex Jones, a lot of interviews with people who... Um, will either stay anonymous or use a screen name and uh, refer to their like area of expertise underneath their name as something just like 4chaner or um, meme coin trainer. Yeah, there'll be an interview with someone who is supposed to explain how internet jokes became a lifestyle, and they won't say who the guy's name is necessarily. It'll just be a, a stereotypically nerdy looking white guy who will just look at the camera, explain why 4chan is capable of setting up this cycle of, of self-hurting dopamine loops, of, of reaffirming your existence through pain. And that he, he, it's, it's like, so crazy. That's, that's his expertise. Like that, it'll cut from a psychologist who's like some old doctor who's writing a book on the subject to someone who doesn't want his real name attached to, to that stuff at all. Do we have this yet? Do we have like professors of internet history? Like, <laughs> I think we, do we, we have will that soon? We, we must soon, right? Like within the next right. 10 years. What 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 seems to be happening from this documentary, at least, is that um, currently graduated existed psychologists are now learning what's what's happening on the internet. But I think it will absolutely be necessary, especially what a quagmire the history of following this stuff is <laughs> for future generations to have a more coherent, uh, codified, readable agreed upon historical narrative of what happens to to culture on the internet because that's what pepe ultimately is is an extremely confusing a labyrinthian narrative of two sides who live in insanely different online bubbles from one another but for people in the future to know what happened over the past three years like you got to understand it somehow well, there is like different arcs of the internet isn't there and like Definitely one day there will be historians that are, oh, well, I focused on the, uh, the, the pre-Flash era internet, or I focused entirely on the 4chan era of the internet. And you're, and <laughs> you're going to have different historians who are going to claim different things about different parts of the internet and what led to what. And t since 2016, though, I think that's absolutely like not a laughing matter anymore. It's serious. It's something that needs to be done. And I'm sure millions of dollars have already have certainly already been spent by by agencies like the, you know, the the Russian adjacent Internet Research Agency, who are well aware 
of how much money and time and, and bot accounts you got to pump into what certain forums of the internet to change actual real life history. Like it's, it's gonna be a big thing because it, it already is. I, the movie cannot ignore, and I'm so glad more of a spotlight is being shown on this, that, that 4chan did have a part in the 2016 election that, that, this is historical. The stuff going on there does actually have historical significance, unfortunately, and as terrifying as that is, and someone's someone's gotta 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 write the report on it, right? Oh. It's funny, like like I've I, I just never I've just have always avoided that website, but I always hear really, really horrible things. Really horrible, yeah, horrible. I things. seriously seriously wonder just like what a three-year morbid fascination when i was a late teenager young adult i seriously wonder how much that fucked me up and it is the there, there was on. a there was a time when it was cool right it was like i mean for our, yeah. our age of people growing yeah up, we we were dumb kids there was a time where it's like hey have you been on 4chan and it's weird because the one thing i could never get on with 4chan just because it was so unusable like, I just didn't understand how to keep up with it or even, like, how to use it correctly with all of the different boards. You know, obviously, people would just go to general boards and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, general use and keeping up with things and the anonymous nature of it, it was not exactly user-friendly to use. And I think that put me off and I just went to other places instead anyway. And I never truly understood why people enjoyed it so much, apart from, of course, the anonymity of it but from my personal standpoint i never really used it uh for that reason alone and then obviously as time developed everybody realized the kind of shit that was happening on there let alone all of this but you know child pornography and all other garbage Whoa. and Whoa. other terrible stuff that was happening Whoa. through there what um, the fuck well because you could post an, like anonymously people would just post the most diabolical of stuff and it would it used to get f deleted fairly fast but you know people could just post what they wanted and that was the kind of stuff that would happen people would take advantage of that yeah and do it yeah like one of one of the biggest jokes was always oh it was never good anyway oh it was, was never supposed to be good and the movie the documentary absolutely positively acknowledges the the cloak of irony that that gives it that um, if if you if you make the position of your argument something that sounds like something that can't be taken seriously, then anyone arguing against it may not be taken seriously, mm. even though maybe it should. Like the appeal of 4chan itself is 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 a pity party. Like it's a it's a cycle of of feeling depressed and miserable, and then wanting to repeat that because you at least get some sort of hit of of meaningless existence or meaningfulness to your existence out of it than you would otherwise and that uh that specifically appeals to to what is both a very dangerous and common archetype i think a lot of people go through which is the awkward some some awkward developmental years when you're either a teenager or a young adult and you don't know how to spend your time and what sort of person you're becoming that shit has an appeal to it that is hard hard to resist sometimes if you're young and you're on 4chan you need to go outside and hang out with some real people but i guess you can't do that anymore so 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I do think as the years roll on and as more and more consequences of this become acknowledged, it's gonna be gonna be taken more seriously by more more serious professionals. And it's the same with everything. It's like we can't have nice things if people treat it with not disrespect, but they take advantage of it. And this is why governments will clamp down on stuff to do with the internet. We've already seen it in the past couple of years with different policies that internet providers have tried to, you know, push through. I can't, I forget the name. Sopa. Sopa was, yeah, Sopa was the first big main one, right? Like, and more of that kind of stuff's gonna happen because people do stuff like they do on 4chan or we get uprisings through the internet of white power and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh... It's it, it's tough, and we are living through it right now. Yeah. So it, it does feel strange. We are living through this history, and there is no easy answer in terms of how to fix a problem like Pepe. Like what happens when what what is like a licensed copyrighted character someone made ends up becoming more better known. Like this is this is almost one of the worst case scenarios that like copyright law is supposed to be invented for in the first place, right? Is so something you create doesn't end up going into the hands of 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 actual neo-nazis and uh a a children's book featuring a a copyright distinct frog still named pepe that was like teaching the children about the dangers of other people coming in and living in their land is like like that that almost sounds like the picture perfect bad case scenario for why copyright laws would exist in the first place so, so and, someone wouldn't be able to like get the Berenstain bears doing some horrible things to each other over yeah. and over again and spread it around on twitter yeah the the line typically is is once you start selling something for money you're not allowed to use the character and oh. that's how um matt fury was able to get away with uh, dmcaing and deplatforming a lot of people using pepe for these purposes but ultimately he can't like, yeah, like once the internet him. latches onto something like that, it's just, it's out of anyone's control. It's out of his control. It's out of the, the economy's control almost because a lot of the, the misery and the pity party that 4chan perpetuates itself with isn't like they're not selling, selling memes for, for, for money in its inception, but, and, and it, that still happened. The, the movie gets into meme coin crypto traders that, that would sell rare Pepe's for tens of thousands of dollars at an auction house. And it's still the most confusing and bewildering thing. And it it's unable to explain how the economy of that works. But the fact that uh, Pepe arose while the internet was being commercialized by influencers with uh, their advertisements and their sponsorships also is no coincidence. Pepe represents a, a kind of like homemade, low-tech, uh, not-for-profit version of internet commodifying and that that gives an appeal to the the demographic of of lonely young people who don't know what they're supposed to be spending all their adult time doing so uh video games uh, <laughs> one thing i yeah, do want to ask before we move on i've had to live through 4chan i've also had to live through george clicking his mouse about 1000 plus times in the past 29 minutes oh let me turn on my wireless mouse then with the soft clicky there we go I'm sure. I don't know whether it was like a reflect, like this together. 
Was it? Con- I I just have to ask. Was it connected to your PC because you were so enveloped in talking that I'm wondering how many tabs you might have opened on your Google Chrome now that your <laughs> RAM is gonna eat itself alive. I think it's a nervous tick, like like maybe Possibly. an internet conference version of like waving your arms around in a conversation or like nodding your head yes. Like That's it just kind of keeps other parts of my body uh, active. Got to circulate the blood. has got to have the George juices flowing through my veins. You know, it keeps my mouse arm nice and responsive. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. <laughs> that <laughs> can't argue with that. Just so just just take a knife. If you got, if all you got is a butter knife, go ahead and just chop. Let's go chopping. Give, give it a good squeeze. Take Ugh. it off. Ugh. Take it away. The benefit would be you never have to play video games again either. Uh, yeah. Uh, just it's 100% a win all around. Yeah. Unless you play video games one handed. and then well, well, What about the, the Xbox accessibility controller? That's true. What you guys been doing? I've been, I played a lot of games, even though I was away for four days. I, of course. I've been banging that Series X drum, but how about you two? I, I just wrapped up my big project, so I have been playing a little something something during the night when I had some time, and Ooh. it has been one particular game. Believe it or not, it's going to be uh, Tales of Vesperia. <laughs> You've been playing it on Game Pass. I've been playing it on Game Pass. Fucking you, of Game course Pass, you man. have. Of course you have. Yeah. I I I think I played a little bit of this years ago. So I, I got back into it. I was like, I you know, I've been why I was gonna play um Dragon Quest, but I noticed that on December second, I think is when Yeah, it's the, not the, until next month. Yeah, I was just like, Oh, I'm not gonna start it. I'm gonna get to the end of that demo real quick. So I was just like, oh, let me try Tales. Let me try Tales again. I probably won't like it, but I'll, I'll try it out. It's on Game Pass. Basically free. Right, Liam? Basically free. Basically free. Basically free. Oh, my God. Download Basically it. Basically free. <laughs> it's still money that you exchange for a good or service. $15 is basically free for all these games. Basically free. Free. It's basically free. Um, and oh they update pretty frequently. Um, So I, I downloaded it, and it's actually pretty entertaining to play. Like. Is all like basically all voice acted, which is, is quite yeah. surprising. And mm. they have like I I think what brings it all together with all that, other than like pretty decent voice acting, is uh, the in between cutscenes or 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 little little comics that they do. You get the chance to optionally press select. And they pop up with their faces and they, they're a little bit animated and they have like little quips with each other. Kind of like a lower res version of what Uncharted does and only optional um, where you're like in between things and they're like talking to each other. It's actually pretty, pretty good in like developing these characters to make them a lot more set into the world than, than just like, you know, watching a cutscene during like high moments. I would say combat's good. Really cool combos you can do. They, they, yeah, the, com- they do the combat's very nice. Yeah, like this is an old-ass game, and this shit holds up pretty well. Yeah, it's so weird to hear that Xbox 360-era stuff is now old. 
Yeah. And it, it, it like looks and mm. feels old. I really don't feel like. So uh, let me uh, let me just clarify. Is the Tales of Vesperia on Game Pass the remastered one that came out last year? Definitive version? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah the nice, pretty looking one. Mm-hmm. I remember playing it last year, but I didn't get far because the, the start of that game is really slow. Yeah. It's not Final Fantasy where it hits that, like, boom. So, have you have you finished it or are you just still playing no, it? No, 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 no. I was going to say. I got into it, though. I'm, I'm in. I know so many people who like this game, mm-hmm. but they also have not finished it. And I think I know why. So when you get deeper, like it's pretty good. Like first 10 hours, you're like, this is this is not bad. The, the writing is not bad. Then you hit a couple moments where some deus ex garbage happens. <laughs> deus ex like... Like like the the video game or the 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 literary tech the literary term like the, it's the just like, machina. yeah and he's just like and he's just like he, he, come on the same thing can't happen twice guys come on what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing come on don't ruin this for me like I'm enjoying your game don't fuck it up like it's I hate when that shit happens you know like you invest time. And you're hoping that the story is consistently decent, right? Like, it's a video game story, right? We all know what we're (laughs) going to get from this, right? We all know. Is that our new derogatory term? Yeah, it's It's a video game story. It's a video game story. Like, I... We don't want to denigrate somebody's writing chops. Like, I understand why people don't like things like Last of Us and stuff like that, right? But it's still a, a good story to enjoy, Right, like it, it doesn't just have like crazy shit that happens that like God doesn't come from the heavens and save yeah. Ellie randomly in the middle of the story. Like that shit doesn't happen. Anime games, like JRPG anime, they games, do that. Get yeah. a, get away with that kind of stuff, which is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome sometimes. It's awesome. Yeah, if it if it doesn't break the story, and I feel like there's two things in the first. I don't, I don't know how long I'm in, but like I'll say after the, the 10 hour mark, somewhere around there, those moments and one of the main characters not making up their mind and the story going along with her, them not making up their mind, it gets annoying. Those two things are the only thing that might make me quit because if it continues to happen, I think like it's not even worth finishing at that point. Like I'm, I'm curious to know what happens with this, with you know, when they meet a certain person and blah blah blah. But like for me, like I know, I know some people play for gameplay, but there's only so long you can play uh, JRPG gameplay before you quit. For me, it has to be the story that pulls me in. It's always been like that. Like the story has to be at least decent for me to be like, oh yeah, I want to see what happens next, and I'm okay like with the gameplay being you know, um, good enough to, to get me through that because the puzzles are, are pretty decent. The, like the dungeons change. It's, they keep introducing more and more stuff. Like nothing is reused. It's pretty, pretty dope. I gotta say it's a, it's a very beautiful looking game. I really yeah. like the environments that you go to. I do like the characters a lot. I mean, it generally is known as the best tales game. Like tales of the abyss is maybe the other one that is the most popular. There's um, another one, Vesperia, or it starts with a B. Berserker, uh, Berserkia, Berz- Berzeria. <laughs> Berzeria. There's, there's Tales of Z- Z- 
Zestiria, Tales of Berseria, Tales of Crestoria. Jesus. Oh, Tales of Asteria. Is that the one I played? I played one of these. <laughs> I, I don't remember which you play, one. You, you play Tales of Asteria every day. I don't think that's on Steam. Um, oh, it was years upon years ago. Yeah. Like, so the, I think the, the most plus version. The, the ones that tend to be the most popular are like Tales of Symphonia, Tales of the Abyss. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Tales of Asperia. Eternia. Tales of no. Zelia. That's the one I played. I watched <laughs> I, I watched a housemate once play through all of Tales of Zelia, and I that's like 30 hours. I'll never get back watching him play that. <laughs> you had a for, choice. For whatever for you whatever it was worth, <laughs> I do remember the one day I did play that game being pretty pretty all right. It had an okay intro, it just felt a little cliche to me. Isn't this also one of the first games that uh, old Troy Baker was in? Uh, he's uh, he's Yuri, isn't he? Well, oh, that's why his, he sounds so familiar. A lot of characters sound very familiar, very yeah. familiar. It's it, it's a pretty top notch cast, I think. Um, it's pretty top notch for sure. Like, because the voice acting is on point. The story is the only thing that's not, but that's to be expected with JRPG. It's got what's his name? Sadly. It's Flynn, um, the guy from Critical Role. Uh, not Matt Mercer, the other one, Sam. Sam Regal, I think. He's, oh, uh, yes. He's Flint. Oh, yes. It's weird how he can some... change his voice to be just a, a little bit different. I think this is one of the games where a lot of the Critical Role guys uh, and girls might be. I think definitely the guys are in it. Those guys are great. Travis Willingham. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So, actually, I'm looking through. Yeah. Travis Willingham is in there. Um, mm. Liam O'Brien is in there. And also Laura Bailey. They're they're pretty much all in there, apart from Matt Mercer. I think <laughs> he's probably in there somewhere. Uh, it seems like a lot of the cast. It's amazing how young they started, right? Like uh, Mushishi, M- M- uh, Mushishi. <laughs> there it is. Mushishi, Mushi Sushi, Mushi Sushi, Mushi Sushi. That was like what fifteen years ago, and Travis was in that. Like, come on. Like, what the fuck? Like, how old are you? Why do you look so good for being so old? He's pretty old. He's pretty old, <laughs> man. He's pretty fucking at old. What point, at what point does the game start to feel old? So, it, it's so funny you bring this up. Yeah. If you if you, if you kind of will please me to transition into what I've been doing, Matt. So, obviously, leading on from what you were talking about with Game Pass being fantastic and all that kind of stuff. I've obviously been binging on a lot of Game Pass stuff, just hopping in and out. Quick resume is working a little bit better than it was last week. Um, Seems there was an update and a lot more games are working nicely. Uh, It's still a bit finicky, but there's a lot of games that I've been bouncing around because I realized I can have Spotify. Now, this is probably something you could do on the Xbox One, but it just works so seamlessly on, on Series X, and it's really fast. I can... Put spot. I have the Spotify app on, and I can listen to podcasts whilst playing games that I don't really require the audio for, and it just all comes to my TV. It's it's on it. Well, I mean, I've talked about this in the past that I like to do this: play mindless games that don't need audio. But I've been going through some Game Pass games that are not story based, stuff like Forza Horizon, uh, the latest one that is really good looking and really fun to play. (laughs) I'm really surprised by that game. But I don't need the audio, uh, you know, I turn all the music and everything off. I just have the sound effects of the car, but I can listen to the podcast and stuff. Oh, okay. That game has been like something I just turn on every day 
just play a couple of races and drive around the UK. It's awesome. It's a really good game and it looks fucking amazing <laughs> in 4K. Almost at tears right now. Oh, it's that I'm, I'm hella surprised by how much I'm enjoying that game and how good it looks. But on top of that, a little old gem appeared. You know, EA Play is now a part of Game Pass. Some of those EA games appearing. Really? One of those games, Skate 3, my Holy bros. Shit. Skate motherfucking 3. How is it going on? On Game Pass. It is so good. Is and it it's only funny. Xbox? It's only Xbox. Damn. I don't know. Oh, so it's not on PC. Yeah, okay. It's not on PC. So, yeah, it's only Xbox then. Um, I have spent so much time this week <laughs> outside of the uh, only other game I've been playing outside of these two, playing Skate 3. And I forget there was Skate 1 and 2, and now we're at 3, and I'm playing 3, and it feels pretty old. Like, it feels like that era of game. Like, there's, like, a mini-map, and it has, like, objectives, and, like, everybody's, like, a pretty sort of uncanny valley detailed character. Like, it's got the guy from My Name is Earl in there uh, as your coach, and and everything, and it feels a little old now. And even though it's a 360 game, it does feel old. And like when you're typing in your name, it comes up with the old Xbox 360 like keyboard, and it's a little lower resolution. And I'm like, damn, even 360 games now feel a little old. But that doesn't detract away from the fact that Skate 3 feels fucking amazing. This game, still amazing. Still amazing. Coming off the back of playing Tony Hawk and stuff recently, yeah, still amazing. I think Skate 3 is when they removed that infinity trick thing that you can do in 2, right? I, I mean, possibly. I have no idea about that. you just keep going kick flips and grinding over and over and over and over and over again. So one of the things they have, I think, is like a, de- like a combo uh, denigration yeah. type thing that you would have in fighting games where over time you just end up doing last points so it doesn't even count, so you stop doing it. Um, but the game feels so good. Like, ah, I'm preaching to the choir. I imagine yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, knows. Love, but I haven't played yeah. Skate 3 since it, since it launched. And just being able to boot it up for 10 minutes because it uses quick resume as well and play like 10 minutes while listening to a podcast before jumping into something like Yakuza, which is the other game I've been playing, is so good. And it feels great. And I'm just free skating around, like doing 360 flips on rails and having a great time. And it loads super fast because it's on the Series X. So I can, you know, fast travel around to different areas in the map and set the marker so I can keep going back. And everything works really nice. And the physics in that game is like way ahead of its time. Like I'm thinking like, not being funny, but you know, those indie skate games, skate, what is it? Skater XL and uh, the other one that just got released that uh, got. And anyone know about Session? Uh, yeah, so those that were on Steam, like those games, I'm not being funny, but they are like they are like ten steps back and and two steps <laughs> forward in terms of how how they compare to, you know, Skate and what Skate was doing at that time. Man, it's a good game. Skate Three, hella good game. If you got Game Pass on Xbox, you do yourself a favor if you've never played it. It's so good. The fighting style combo inputs is. Still so good. Uh, it feels very natural. Um, so that's been a hell of a good time. And Game Pass, you know, downloading No Man's Sky, downloaded Descenders, downloaded Near Automata, just downloaded a whole host of games that I haven't even touched yet. But the fact that I just can, nobody can stop me because <laughs> it's free. I'm- <laughs> How is it free if you pay a monthly fee? Man, 
That's right. so easy to get you with that. Um, I really, really want to know about Yakuza. So yeah, so the other game I've been playing nonstop, I, I, I played a little bit of Assassin's Creed Valhalla now. Um, kind of not very impressed with that. So far. I mean, I, just, I mean, it's mm, Ass Creed. Like, what do you expect? It's but the I, same I shit. think it's there it's, was hype. has an even weaker beginning. A lot of people are really liking it, but there's a lot of bugs and it's a bit all over the place. The beginning of it is not great. And the com- like the combat it introduced you to is the bare bones, just swinging an axe, and it does not feel good <sighs> after God, playing something man. like Ghost of Tsushima, which is very, very similar. There was real hype behind this one. They they assembled like a dream team of some of the best. Um... And I think it's paid off because a lot of people are saying that once you get into it, like once you get into the into the UK, and once you start getting some of the combat stuff that is obviously part of the skill points that carry on. Oh. It does start yeah, to become right. a very good game, but I think it's a wall in the beginning. There's a lot of bugs and it's a bit all over the place and doesn't feel as good as something like Ghost of Tsushima, which is the easiest thing I can compare it to. You did you finish that? I near I, I played a lot of it. I oh my I kinda God. wanna go back to on PS5. I'm the only one who finished games. But I can't I can't I can't be bothered until I can play it on PS5 when it's 60 frames and doesn't doesn't drop to like 10 frames every yeah, no, time waiting. i swing the yeah, camera I'm, I'm still waiting for bloodborne port still waiting for that oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so the, the i mean this week has been entirely dominated by playing yakuza like a dragon or yakuza 7 uh as it's also known um guys this game's really good it's mm-hmm. really good this, it looks pretty interesting it it's every it is possibly the most interesting, I think, so most far. Interesting, which is weird because I do to... really like this series. But you know, uh-huh. Kazuma Kiryu is a legend; he's untouchable. <laughs> but he is very one note. Like you know, he's like honor defined as a yakuza. Like he, you know, he's almost like a modern day samurai in a lot of parts. Like what has always been interesting about the yakuza series is that. Kiryu is this stoic, kind of interesting guy who is surprised by how weird and funny the world can be sometimes. And, like, that's the kind of funny nature of the series. Like, he's put into these awkward situations sometimes alongside a very serious, you know, plot that goes on about Yakuza and all and the sub-stories around it. And that's always been what is so intriguing about it. In this game, instead, you have, you know, Ichiban Kasugya, who is, like... Both of those things as a person. He's an honorable stoic dude who wants to be a hero because he played Dragon Quest when he was a kid. That's literally why he wants to be a hero. That's actually the story. That's actually the story. And on top of that, adorable. He's a fucking moron. He's so (laughs) dumb and stupid. And it's because he went to jail for for 19 years and has no idea about 20, because the game is set in 2019. He has no idea about the world. He gets a smartphone and he doesn't even know how to use it. They tell him what GPS is and he just thinks it's the creepiest shit in the world. Like you're able to track people via GPS because he just has no idea about the world. And he's so dumb and lovable. I almost kind of like him more than Kiryu. And that is like blasphemous to say. But he's a lot more interesting because dumb shit happens because he invites it along. And (laughs) it's really interesting to happen. And he gets himself into such stupid situations that you have to follow through that make the game way more interesting. And this is before you touch on like the the sort of plot of the story, which it's kind of a bit all over the place because like 
it's very heavy in the beginning and very serious and a lot of uh, a lot of it's going on and you're you're learning about all of these characters to, to set up this big event that happens which is understandable but then it dives right back into kind of like typical yakuza stuff where it's really slow and you're building yourself up from the bottom by doing literally jobs like you are literally a handyman who goes around looking for work and the work you're going is like japanese soap plans and prostitution and all, all of this kind of stuff like the very seedy underbelly of japanese world but you're not you're not the hot shit who runs it you're the guy who's like just a bodyguard for these places at the moment and that's really unique and interesting and it's a lot of fun and so far like I'm just having a great time. And then on top of that, you have the new combat, which is this RPG system instead of a brawler. And it's actually pretty good. I kind of like it still feels like you're. Beef- yeah. So, you, I mean, it's an RPG, right? So you're not button mashing, but it has a lot of interactive stuff, kind of like Paper Mario, where you have to time button presses to deal more damage. And, and some of them are like combo based. So you'd have to like mash X and then time Y perfectly to do, like, the maximum damage. So there's a lot of interactivity in the combat. Yeah. And <laughs> it feels like you're still dealing damage, like if you were button mashing with Kiryu or something mm. like that. It still feels like you're, you know, aggressively beating yeah. the shit into these guys on the street. The one thing so far, the game has been pretty easy, so there's no need for any tactical nuance. The, the game gives you a lot of skills with the characters um, that I have so far, which is Namba and uh, uh, what's his name? Adachi and then Kasuga. So there's no need for me to really think about it tactically so far, which is kind of disappointing because I really want to use some of their spells at uh, spells or like that magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to call it. Like, cause I don't really, the skills, I think it's called skills in the game. Mm. Uh, like their skills because they are fucking hilarious. Like just dumb shit. That is Put so it on good. Hard. Put it on hard. Um, I, think you can but also i was reading some of the reviews and stuff and people are saying that later in the game you just hit a wall like it, it does what oh. jrpgs do and like that's one of the negative points about it i haven't reached that yet like everything's been pretty much a breeze yeah. um so far is that you hit a wall and it's not a very fun one so like if you want to overcome it and finish the game like maybe just keep bumping into every battle and become super overpowered. But that doesn't sound that great. But right now, I'm still having a blast with it. Some of the skills are, are like, fucking hilarious. Like, you've got this guy who is... uh, He's an ex-nurse, like, who was stricken off the record for selling drugs. (laughs) And, you know, he's a homeless guy now. He's great and wise, but he throws pigeon food at people and lets pigeons attack them as an attack. And he... When he heals people, he it's called healing powder. But what he does, he runs up to people. He bends down towards their crutch and then, like, rubs their crutch <laughs> and heals them <laughs> with powers. Oh he has his own God. healing. He has his own healing spell where he kind of just like takes a nap on some cardboard for a minute. <laughs> like some of the skills are really funny and unique to watch. Um, there are other ones that like you get a baseball bat and it looks really brutal and you can smack people right in the face and. You hit people into moving traffic, right? You can also do that. So one one thing that is kind of annoying about it is that the game encourages you to do attacks when you're near environmental stuff. 
So then you'll like the character will naturally pick it up and then add it to their attack. So uh, if you attack normally, if you don't, if you don't have a bat, then you will do it with your fists. When you get the bat, which is a bit later on in the game, you'll start using a bat to attack and that changes your job, like your job system, kind of like a traditional knight, mage, uh, fighter type thing. In this, the dumb one's detective, one's a uh, homeless man. <laughs> Another is a hero. Uh, it's really funny. Um, but you can't actively move your characters. Like, they move around automatically around the screen. Oh. So you might be quite close to a bike, but not close enough. And you can't, you can't move Position. them any closer. Yeah. yeah, you can't move them. They automatically move by themselves. So... It's a bit frustrating because the game is like encouraging you to try and use environmental items because it does extra damage and stuff like that, and it could be quite useful. But you can't actually position yourself to be anywhere near those. Like the, as far as I know so far, like the analog sticks don't work or anything. Uh, all movement is automatic, and everybody's sort of cycling. So you just press attack, and then you can attack them, and then it moves to what. It wants to, to move to the it. enemies you've target, targeted. Targeted, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But if you if you if you time it so you press attack when you're next to something in the environment, then they'll automatically pick that up and use it as a weapon on the enemy mm-hmm. that you've targeted. So that can be a little frustrating, but it's not. It doesn't take away from the combat. It's it's fun and it's like a traditional jrpg but it's a lot faster and a lot cleaner it's definitely a lot more involved like there's stuff where if you attack an enemy and you down the enemy if you follow up immediately with the other character before that enemy can get up you'll deal massive extra damage so like you have to be wary sometimes of like enemies that have fallen over and they're trying to get back up and uh how you can deal more uh extra damage depending on what was the tackle or skill that came before Mm. A lot of the like debuffs and stuff like that are like really dumb shit. Like uh people <laughs> one of the ones I came across today was like this enemy he was like a like an otaku internet blogger and he like recorded a video of me and was like and the attack he did was uh it was something called like this enemy just posted a video of you online. And you got negative comments, and then it debuffs you because <laughs> you feel fear of the negative comments. <laughs> I kind of want to play it's, this game. Oh, it's it. It, it's really quirky. It's really unique, and and it does that great thing that the Yakuza games can do, which is balance like a really serious plot, like a real serious Yakuza drama, versus absolute like clown level inaity. <laughs> uh garbage that you just like you eat up it's so silly at times honestly is it random battles like what how are you leveling uh up? yeah so it's same as yakuza like where you walk down the street and like you know enemies come up to you and challenge you it then it initiates a battle and then you're just in the street using a command system instead of like oh people just kind of run up to you like yeah yeah you they have like red arrows on the head and you can see them on the map so you can sort of run into them if you want um, hey. sometimes like if you don't take side streets and stuff you'll end up running into like five in a row and that can be a bit annoying are, are you walking with your shirt not tucked in come on let's 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 throw down right now so yeah it, it's it's kind of interesting <laughs> are, are you wearing white on on labor day the huge guy that walks the streets with money is he still in the game? no i haven't i haven't seen him yet i haven't seen right. him yet no but i just got something called pound mates which is like in the story, they thought it was like some sort of sex thing, like pound mates uh, or delivery service, as it's called in Japanese. 
and it turns out it's just like a black guy with massive like morning stars for fists that turns up to help you every now and again if you pay him money and it's pretty funny to watch him beat the shit out of enemies <laughs> oh um i know right it's weird does it have but english game, voice acting it does have english voice acting it really? does uh yeah our old buddy prosy d's in it at one point uh whoa oh hold on oh you have it on i thought you usually no play. i don't i don't i'm playing with japanese voicing voices um but i've heard uh from what? some friends that the english one is really strong like it's really good it's got george takai in it as well wait okay hold george on george takai they have english voice did have they always had english voice acting no so they started with judgment which was the spin-off like two years ago or a year right. ago the crime detective one and then they carried on with this one obviously yakuza now is big money right so they were already appealing to a western audience by localizing it i remember when Shit. after yakuza 4 came out we had to literally petition online for yakuza 5 to get localized because the series wasn't that popular and then we didn't even get a physical release we only got a digital release which I, man the days since yakuza 0 came out and just popularized the series has really changed but no, it's got full English voice acting. Um, I'm playing with Japanese, and the Japanese voice acting is so good, as you imagine. As, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, of course. Ichiban yeah. is just amazing, but Namba and uh, Adachi are just as great, and all of the people you meet so far are awesome. The game really delves into, like, the sort of seedy side of Japan as well, like prostitution and drugs and kind of all this other stuff. But, you know, morally gives these people, like, reasoning as to why they do it. Like, you know, they've got nowhere else to go. They need to pay debts. Their family members are sick and they're trying to, you know, women who are supporting their children. And the only way they can do it is through, like, soap lands and all this kind of stuff. It's, It's really interesting. And... It's uh, it's really good so far. I actually, I kind of was bored of the Yakuza series before because even though the games are really good, you know, the the moment-to-moment gameplay has been it's, kind it's of unchanged. Boring. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's not that it's boring. It's just kind of not changed. And, you know, we have like six games now. Um, yeah. I, you know, not to say anything, because I, I, I played a lot of Yakuza 0, a lot of it, but mm, I didn't finish mm-hmm. it. Because I felt like I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, I played three, four, and five, and by the time we got to zero, <sighs> which did revolutionize the the series a little bit, I was I was already burned out at that oh, point. Man. And then we had Kiwami, and then Kiwami two, um, which is both are on Game Pass and also zero. Yeah, at that point, I was kind of burnt out. But with this one, obviously being a part of the Series X like launch titles. Uh, and having this battle system and having a different protagonist, I was interested in trying again. I'm actually having a way better time than I thought as well. Like, it's it's really fun. It's pure fun. It, it has a great story at the moment. Character's fantastic. It's not as slow as other Yakuza games um, so far. Uh, and obviously using the power of Series X. In 60 frames, running really nicely. There's barely any load times. Uh, everything loads really quickly, text loads really quickly, fights load really quickly, all of those quality of life improvements that stop you from getting burned out because that's the kind of stuff that dragged me down in the past is gone away. And I think this game is really good. I think I've played like 20 hours of it already. That's Uh, that's pretty strong for you, man. That's pretty strong for me. And that's on top of also dipping into Skate 3 and Horizon and playing a lot of Tetris Connected. And Xenoblade. Um, and adding Xenoblade into it, you know, yeah, man. Yeah. Almost there, just, almost to the end. Uh, <laughs> and I can fell almost to the end of that too. 
So it's fine. I have. I had. I started. I what I did with Ekenfell or Ikenfell was I got up to where my PC save is. So I played like the the three hours that I played prior, and I got up to my PC save. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be a bit more like strong-willed and i'm categorizing it like when i play skate and horizon i know they're for short periods of time while i listen to a podcast but when i want to sit down and properly play a game i'm jumping into yakuza to try and keep making progress and get towards the end that's why i'm not you definitely beat yakuza (laughs) it's more expensive than everything else that you're playing right now well actually valhalla was fucking oh yeah how much is that no one's gonna beat that game no one beats well i mean the the ones that show up on the Series X store are like a hundred and thirty to hundred and fifty dollars because they only oh show God. you they only show you the ones that include the season pass and stuff like that. Uh, we talked about it a bit last week. It's, it's uh, uh, how, how much is regular? It was the same as current games. Oh, so sixty? Yeah, it might have been a bit more in Japanese. Seventy, maybe. Get ready for for that price bump. Uh, yeah, I mean, Yakuza also was about the same price. Um, they're the only two games I've bought for the console. Um, everything else is Game Pass. I haven't purchased anything else. Um, there's not what, anything which, else I want to purchase now until Cyberpunk, I guess. Yeah, which version did you get? Hero version? <laughs> HD version? Legendary version? Legendary hero version? I got the standard version uh, <laughs> that I Regular. found on a website that gives digital keys because I couldn't get it in Japan. So, uh, but the less sad about that, the better. Um, <laughs> Ooh, it's a good time. It's a it's a, it's a really I, good time. I, so I don't know, man. You're, you're selling me on it. You're selling me on it. I think you'd have a great Let's time. See. I. I it's not is is it out for PC as well? I don't think it is. I think it's oh, it's out on it's out on Steam. You can play it on Steam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, that's why I'm looking at it. The different versions are are standard, gold, ultimate, and then the Ubisoft Plus version. Oh, for Valhalla, which uh, you you get for your fifteen dollar a month Ubisoft Plus subscription. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I we mentioned this last week. I, t- I tweeted the picture of the gold and ultimate editions, and, and like that was the only ones you could see. And it would be like, show me all of the different editions, and you'd press it, and only those two versions would come up. It's a bit shitty. I hope this doesn't carry on. They, they fixed the auto save, not auto save, the instant resume stuff. They have, and they also fixed it for like a dragon as well. I was surprised that they fixed it for Yakuza Like a Dragon as well. It only works about 50% of the time, but I was pleasantly surprised when I came back after visiting Sapporo, and right there, my game was still there. Very quickly, going back to the Series X, because obviously we talked about the games. Obviously, having had the Series X for a week now and playing it, it definitely doesn't feel like the next gen yet. There's nothing there yet. Like PS5, I think, is doing what the next gen is, right? But man, playing games on this thing is so easy. It's so seamless. Like, when I turn the console on, it takes me longer to change to the HDMI channel in which the Xbox is on than it does for the console to load itself from being off onto the main menu. So it's there, ready, every time. And 
when you have games queued up with quick resume, not only can you switch between them, but you can turn your console off, like completely turn the console off, not come back to the console for four days, turn it back on, and then all of those quick resume games are still there, still in the states you left them. And that is pretty fucking amazing. Think of all the time you're going to save in your life now from from the seconds of my of, of of minutes and seconds that add up to to all 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 the loading times and boot up times in your life and how you can spend those hours maybe around 10 of them or so working instead <laughs> well the the dangerous thing is and i think i mentioned this last week is that it just encourages me to not stop playing like before, I'm very easily turned off. Like if I have to quit out of a game and then load another game, like I get put off. I'm like, oh, I could just browse Twitter instead, or I can, oh, I can do some work, or oh, I, oh, I wonder what this yeah, YouTube yeah, do work. Like, like, oh, I wonder what I can look at YouTube. Like, I can, I, I can take a break after I stop playing a game, or it, or because it takes so long to load, it, I, I'm procrastinating booting up the game. I, like. I'm terrible about that. But with the Series X, and I'm not kidding, like, honestly, there's no reason for me to stop playing because even when I get bored of Yakuza 7, I can stop it right there and there where it is. I don't need to worry about, like, well, now I don't. Uh, I don't need to worry about saving it. I don't need to worry about anything. I just turn it off and I'm like, I want to play Forza for 10 minutes and, like, refresh my palette. Like, I've just finished this really long, lengthy chapter in Yakuza now I want to go and play Tetris for 20 minutes before I jump back in and, and not having to change discs or not having to, you know, close the game, save the game, close the game, wait for the OS to boot up and then load the new game and go through the splash menus and everything. Honestly, it means that I don't really leave the Xbox. Like I can sit there for like five or six hours. The time will fly by because I'm just playing the games. And this is the most I felt engaged about playing games in a long time. And it is like surprisingly helpful if you are trying to be more involved in playing games like I am because I've been terrible in the past couple of years and it's not very off-putting I don't have YouTube and or anything on the Xbox because my TV has that already so everything on the Xbox is just games it's just purely for games and it just makes me keep wanting to play because then when I've done playing Tetris I'm like well if I just press this one button and then press this one button to go into Yakuza, it's right there waiting for me. It takes like two seconds. It's really good. It's really interesting. Well, well, now I, I just don't know if you'd be able to wisely spend your 10 hours of uh, Black Friday work hours that you may or may not have earned from participating <laughs> in your employee contests. Continue the adventure with Spider-Man, the game. Battle more vicious villains, master more spider skills, and combat evil high above the city streets. Spider-Man the game rated everyone. For news this week, I wanted to talk about the canceled GameStop employee TikTok dance competition. And uh, who thought this would be a good fucking idea? Jesus. The event team. <laughs> the GameStop event team. There was a press release that went out on Tuesday, November 3rd, that was uh, kind of in, in their, their own exclusive conference portal. What, what became the big PR fiasco, though, was one of several awards 
that GameSpot could win by uh, <laughs> literally roping their team into into this competition. That's 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 what the actual press release says. It says, "Be creative, rope in your team, and have fun with it. Don't worry, you can't look as bad as the event team does." And there's at least one video of a GameStop event team dancing to TikTok. And so far as I could oh, find, there were no others. <laughs> The press release further goes on to say the winner of the challenge will receive an Echo 8, Echo Auto, $100 Visa gift card and 10 additional labor hours to use during Black Friday week. Quote, imagine what you could do with all those prizes. Okay, so this is like classic corporate, but I I just want to I want to know, though, like, yeah, just just so I'm understanding this right. Yeah, you you get to work more right mm-hmm. am i understanding that correctly <laughs> that that if 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 you're the general manager whose team wins i don't think it specifies if the general or district manager is the one that wins or if the whole team wins but they do win is it just hours. the employee <laughs> so, maybe so after thanksgiving you get to to work more by working more for free you earn the privilege to work 10 hours more for money gotcha gotcha all right just just wanted to clear clear that up clear that up yeah but this is classic corporate though this is classic anyone who's worked retail knows that they do stupid shit like this all the time and a lot of this stuff doesn't get press can you even feasibly comprehend can you imagine what you could do with all those prizes yeah nothing it's funny because i i worked i worked in game in the uk which is the gamestop equivalent in the uk and Mm. i had what is the notorious zero hour contracts which is you're an employee but your hours are set weekly on a rotor and you don't know between Mm -hmm. the week or the next how many hours you're gonna get I remember trying to get as many hours as possible. Like it be, being a real thing where you'd ask people for extra hours or to ask people if they, you know, want to take a day off and you'll cover a shift for them or, mm. you know, asking your manager if you could have, because you need money. And, yep. and it's this kind of like shitty ecosystem that, that creates this kind of, idiotic like corporate nonsense that thinks this is a good idea because they know this is what their employees are asking for and 10 hours is just like it's one day right as well it's like it's nothing and and, and think about it think think about 10 hours at minimum wage let's let's be let's be let's be generous and say here's your 40 dollars an hour right (laughs) 150 dollars that's it yeah, might as well take the the one hundred dollar Visa gift card. One hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, the one hundred dollar Visa gift card. Is it a Visa gift card or a GameStop gift card? Uh, it says Visa gift card. Visa. Okay. <laughs> you so use this in store. <laughs> oh no! One hundred dollars of credit <laughs> only works in store. Oh god! Yeah, GameStop I remember getting Visa paid. Gift card. Only legally available in the state of California. <laughs> Thank God, our Texas winner. <laughs> I remember getting paid in a charge card that yes. you would have to use at a proprietary ATM mm-hmm. that would charge you fees from your salary to uh, withdraw the that. money that you worked 10 hours on Black Friday to earn. Fuck. 
that. And people defend capitalism. Like, inherently, capitalism's all right, but it's this kind of thing it leads to. (sighs) So they canceled it. Or did they? Or did they just cancel that part? Did they just cancel the ten-hour extra work? Did they carry on the competition? Uh, presumably, the whole competition is is no longer available on uh, the the conference website that they first put it up. So maybe the whole thing's gone. And and there was only one video. Do you know what's even sadder about this video that I'm watching now of the GameStop TikTok challenge? Where is it? GameStop TikTok. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. the worst thing is, one, not only if you had 10 hours between these four people, you would could only have basically two and a half hours each, essentially. Um, it's also the fact that they're not wearing masks. Yeah, this is the event team. I don't Oof. know if they have to, like, work in the, the gutters, the shit in the trenches, you they, know? You can tell by the smile on their faces. <laughs> right, right. These people look taken care of. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Oh, man. Do you reckon they were forced to do it? Like, one of their higher-ups was like, look, look, just set an example, right? You're not going to win, but, you know, maybe you'll get a bigger bonus at the end of the year. I guess. Just set an example. They probably don't know. They probably don't know. When you're away from it for so long, you forget. You forget how, how hard it is. How different of a mindset was this written under? Like, like, what kind of a person actually thinks people are excited about this stuff? Oh, man, our employees love GameStop. They love games. And they just love working for us. <laughs> they love telling parents about the differences of the Wii and the Wii U every Christmas. Yeah. You know what? I would, I would, rope, I would rope my team into doing a DK rap. And, like, that yeah. would be more game appropriate, right? Like, yeah, I'd be a real gamer manager. Like, only true gamers understand this. He's the first member of the GameStop crew. It's George. <laughs> he's bigger, stronger, George. and faster, too. He's, he's bigger, stronger, uh, still locked inside. His, his Depressed as ever. With his erotic mouse. <laughs> don't let him contract COVID with his face goo. Can't let Matt visit because he's been on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll, I'll rhyme was really like, lame. Hi, uh, George. Dude, dude. <laughs> George just has like a plastic screen between the two of you. Stay we, away. We did um, uh, the, the, the rap battle mini game in um, Jackbox 5 for, for this week's game night. They have uh, the robots text-to-speech rhymes that you write down. It's real cute. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I would I would have my team do the DK rap. Uh, you guys you guys got any any ideas what, what you would do to earn those 10 hours fair and square? Wait, am, am, I, I, am I the owner of my own GameStop and my franchise? Imagine that you're the am king I, of games of a GameStop, yes. Am I the one giving them the, the 10 hours? GameStop. Just give them the extra 10 hours. <laughs> they oh, work, they work. Where's the fun in that? We need to have fun. We need to engage our young Zoominial audience. I'd have them sing Baka Mitai. 
penetrate um, into this demographic, Liam. You can't just give people 10 hours. You have to make it look fun. <laughs> you have to fucking make them install TikTok, create an account, and then make a stupid dance. Buy a green screen, put it in their bedroom, dance in front of it. They have put to a spend $150 on. on equipment. Just get some, <laughs> some studio lights. <laughs> Profit Think of, of it zero. as an investment. Think of it as an investment. On, on your future here at GameStop. I mean, I mean, come on. We got we got Beat Saber. We, we I, I I did the DK rap. I felt like that was the easy one, but but there's also uh, uh, things like 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 a Space Channel routine, Space Channel Five, or um, oh god, what other what other famous video game dances <gasps> exist? You could do like proper rapper and uh, guitar. Yeah, and, um... yeah. There's there's potential here that they were never gonna fulfill. <laughs> The thing, the thing is, there's some amazing retail workers out there. Always with a smile right. on their face, everything. But no one rule. wants to work after Thanksgiving. No one. You're 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 fat. You're full of food, full of that apple pie, uh, quiche, and and pumpkin, and 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 turkey, and stuffing, and collard greens, and cornbread. You're stuffed with all that good shit. And then what? You gonna wake up I, in the morning I would and like work? To experience this one day yeah <laughs> what you've never given thanks i've never given thanks i ain't you've never no had thanksgiving dirty. i ain't no dirty american you never had thanksgiving at all no Not even Wait, what are one? you people thankful of no they, it happens in japan fairly frequently like you know groups of gaijin will have thanksgiving but i've never i've never been able to attend one um you, you know christmas the, is the all-powerful the Chris, thank you. The Christmas, uh, <laughs> he's know, just Christmas, like, thanks. Christmas is, <laughs> hey, thanks. Christmas is our, is yes, our I agree. Right? But, like, I, I would like to partake in the meal because it just always looks so good. Oh, it's always that, good, man. We're, I'm have having a, a Friendsgiving potluck, man. I'm gonna bring some Jamaican oh, food. Oh, man, yeah. Bring some Jamaican, oh, man, we're we gonna had, have a good time. Some, we had such a good potluck at the Q Games office last year. It was, uh, it was oh, never, man. so I've good. never really well, been I, a fan I have of a the, very like, diverse group, man. We're going to have some good ass food. Yeah. Man, the the white people food. Thanksgiving food. I've never really been that big of a fan of like, like the stuffing. You guys have no culture, and, uh, man. <laughs> it, it just kind of tastes bland. There's no spiciness to it. No pepper. You know, it's all salt. I've never been to a white people <laughs> Thanksgiving. I've never been to a white people Thanksgiving. So I, I would not know. So I have also never been to a white person's Thanksgiving. <laughs> just never having been to a Thanksgiving. <laughs> I guess that, I, I mean, I guess it's like going to no Thanksgiving. So I guess Man. maybe you dodged the bullet there. <laughs> maybe I'm not missing anything. <laughs> The, the the best part of, of like the, the college experience for me at least was like be- becoming good close real life friends with people of other cultures and and I went to, to an Asian people Thanksgiving once and it was so fantastic yeah. the the food the home cooking is so different from what you get in restaurants that uh, mm-hmm. I am I'm just I am thankful I had that experience one year of my life yeah. I, I... And and not not to say like I mean you gotta get a southern white person man you gotta get whew, they, them, the, oh no I've them had girls my throw down those. Girls I've, throw I'm down. I'm I'm satisfied I'm I'm good you good 
I'm, yeah, but, oh, I'm okay with that. Oh, I, I, oh. I actually don't think I'm, I'm going to be doing a Thanksgiving this year. But uh, anyways, we can move on Probably to the next topic. We're going to switch to super serious gravelly mode. Ubisoft Montreal headquarters has been evacuated due to a hostage call-in mm-hmm. on a... Last last November, Friday, the 13th of, of fucking course, the headquarters building in Ubisoft Montreal had a scare. There was a reported hostage situation in which a SWAT team from the police was called in. The building was evacuated. Uh, people were were making scary tweets and taking refuge and barricading in in conference rooms. This was really scary as it was happening until we knew it was a hoax. Like it, like a couple of groups, uh, like Discord groups and stuff I'm a part of, were like keeping it updated, and and you know people were obviously shocked and worried uh, as it was happening. Thankfully, it was a hoax, which you know it's still sad that. This kind of thing would even happen, but you know the very real idea that in the past, you know, we've had newspapers, and you know, obviously in France with Charlie Hebdo and stuff like that, that something could happen where somebody just some, especially at a place like Ubisoft or EA, I can imagine like some crazy fucker going in, and yeah, who knows where the office exactly is and going happened. in and doing something like that. Yeah. Or, it's what? not too beyond yeah. reality that. When it was uh, before we knew it was a hoax, people were like very visibly distressed and worried that this was a thing that was happening. Wait, what, uh, what exactly happened? Okay, what exactly happened is that on um fr- Friday, November 13th, yeah, um, there were reports coming in from people working at the building onto Twitter, they were hearing from their bosses that they need to lock themselves up for a while and then evacuate a little while later. Can you imagine? A police SWAT team showed up and searched the building. But I don't think the threat itself, the original call that the police got, was ever published and reported. There's no name to it, thankfully. Oh. So there was a call to the police that yeah. they called, and then they called the bosses. That a a told fake hostage crisis okay. that got called in. Okay. And... And as as the employees worked, heard the news from the channels, people on the internet were hearing the news as it happened. And yeah, that was the intrusive thought that was going through my head the whole time. Like, like is, is what Liam was describing is like, oh my God, there actually is some gamer who who actually is is going through with some real stupid heinous bullshit. Yep. And I just hate that that's that's a fear that that I and so many other people have. I, I can't I can't stand it. I hate it. Ah It is terrifying that something like that could happen. And watching it ha- you know, in real time people, you know, updating and stuff like that. It's like, oh wow, please don't please don't be real or like hope everybody gets out safe, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, are we really talking about this? Holy crap. Mm-hmm. I, the whole time I was crossing my fingers and be like, please don't be an angry gamer. Please don't be an angry gamer. If it was real, please at least be like a, a crazy person who has nothing to do with all the stupid drama we have to uh, deal with in this, this, this subculture. Wow. It's hard for me to understand stuff like this because I just, I, I can never put myself in those shoes. I, 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 I it's not the first time it's happened either. Yeah. 
like like in in 2014 you know during hell week 2014 there were some bomb threats called in and one sony executive had like their plane flight canceled and rerouted because of the bomb threats you know it's rather a popular thing here in japan uh doxing and bomb threats calling in bomb threats uh predominantly by students to schools and they want to get out of exams how do you fix this because that's holy shit that's it's quite popular it's it's such an easy way to abuse the system and and you know you're putting the police in a hard spot like they don't want to look Not negligent it. if it yeah. turns out that it's a real threat Thing, yeah but at the same time one of these stories comes up every other year it is a popular method for harassment it is i i don't know how easy it is to get away with but you hear about it happening so yeah, much more than thing, you right? hear you about people getting caught for po- it enough police dramas have told us that you know as soon as you call the police like they know your phone number they know where you are they know where it's coming from right you think like anybody who tries to do something like that that turns out false they'd immediately be like where did that phone call come from who was that and if it's an anonymous like like a burner phone or some kind of online service how what are you supposed to do how how do you fix that i'd really really hope that i will be an old man by the time society figures out this problem because it's 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 a fear of mine and i think everyone else who has to work on the internet yeah yeah but uh, thankfully it was not real and everybody was safe and everybody evacuated the building. They were all good. Thank God. Thank God. Because that's... I don't want to hear that on the news. I mean, this stuff was still happening when, when we were kids, but it's just, it's gotten so much worse in the past. Yeah, like, it like has. Five, ten years of, of internet culture mainstreaming and these pranks going into uh, the public consciousness. Oh, man. I still pranks, think about no. that, that YouTube video, man. Of some guy going around with his camera years ago, back when we were in high school. Everyone's what is out in the spill out. Everyone's talking to each other. No one's on their phones. I miss those days, man. People didn't act so fucking wild and stupid like this. This thing is new, man. Well, new, I say, within the last decade. But I hate the fact that it's also... Yeah, it feels newer than it really is. Yeah, because it's it's been like this for for ten for years minimum, 10 and at years, that point, yeah. it's not new anymore. Oh man, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Things are changing, man. Things Times are changing. Hopefully, are changing. hopefully, hopefully for the better in the in in the long run. So we'll see. As 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 somebody mentioned, somebody mentioned recently. Look. The reality is we live in the best time ever of humanity. That's mm-hmm. just the fact, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know how bad it was in the past, but we also don't know how badly right now is going to look in the future mm-hmm. if we don't change it. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty important. Like, yes, we live in the best time ever of human beings, but we could also be living in a better time in the future if we, especially with the irreversible actions of certain stuff, um, I, I think get on it. I think one should get keep good some humans <laughs> relativity in mind, like like raw statistically speaking, this might be the best time for for the total sum of humanity as a whole. But in terms of like the 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 brightness of the future, like like yeah, in terms of how expensive it is to buy a house versus how much you're getting paid for in you know the Western industrialized chunk of the world. 
it's really not like both of those have are worse than what our parents and their parents were growing up with. I think public optimism is lower, but I feel like there was only a period of, I've got to say, 60 to 70 years where that was the reality of human beings. Like, you think back to Victorian times, or by then, nobody owned a house. People were homeless. People were poor. People lived in poverty. It was only, like, from... Let's, I mean, we got to say, what, the 30s on to the 80s, the 90s, the, the max, where that was a thing where it was like you inherited your parents' house or houses where you were able to buy one and everybody lived in one and it was normality. I don't think it's been that uh, much of a norm. My grandparents bought like 14 acres in in the 40s for something that i'm sure is pennies compared to the millions those things are worth nowadays how much i bought a series x for not that that's that's what that generation could do after the war when they got back home to georgia is buy (laughs) extremely cheap land and have generations of the future family like growing up around a, a lake named after the family and then afterwards like every successive generation has not not been able to buy 14 acres of land in suburban georgia like those guys were Mm. anyways anyways pivoting slightly pivoting slightly to listener questions if you would like to be a part of this uh, fiasco send them in to dad and sons podcast at gmail.com or ask us on our patreon question channel for a five dollar join us it's a wonderful time ka-ching uh this first one is a good liam one in particular because i've seen you rant about this on twitter so maybe you're allowed to rant about it on the podcast <laughs> oh no it's about an actual real person with a name and feeling. So uh, are we ready? Are we ready for that? Here we yeah. go. Hello, dads. My name is Paul. I've recently been burning through your catalog of past episodes, and I want to express my immense gratitude to all of you because this podcast helps me get through long, monotonous work days at Amazon. I recently read a tweet by ex-game journalist Colin Moriarty, who is criticizing Jason Schreier for reporting on Crunch, specifically at CD Projekt Red. Colin characterized it as a short burst of extra work that benefits the workers in the end, monetarily and professionally, seemingly saying it doesn't count as Crunch. And a lot of other people seem to agree that these instances are non-issues. I wanted to hear y'all's insight on this stance. I could see where Colin is coming from, but aren't promises of career advancement and money exactly why companies can exploit game devs? Also, what do you believe constitutes Crunch? So oh, this guy sounds oh. like a, uh, a, a a Sherlock villain. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the Sherlock villain. Colin Moriarty does have Moriarty. Uh, yeah Moriarty. Yeah. <laughs> does 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 have a shtick that involves pissing people off and making people mad for uh, for for other so, the, the enjoyment uh, of him. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. So this is yeah. This is really important. There's a couple of things to unpack here. Obviously. Colin is whatever you think of him. A lot of people like him and a lot of people don't for things that he's done over the past couple of years. That is not the point here, I think, from my view. First off, I'm going to say the reason Colin was criticizing Jason was absolutely dumb as fuck because people keep accusing Jason, no matter what you think of Jason in the same way how people think of Colin. The one thing you cannot deny about Jason is he's doing his fucking job, which he's a reporter. He's not a reviewer of video games. He's not somebody who like actively gives impressions about video games. He's a reporter on video game industry problems and the video game industry itself. It is his job to report 
on work-related issues and uh, exploitation in the video game industry. It's his job to do research about these things. People who come at Jason and say stuff like, you only keep tweeting about this because it furthers your career and makes you more popular, etc. You just shut the fuck up. Like, shut up. You are literally are idiots. Like, shut the fuck up. It's his job, right? I'm not defending Jason as the person. I personally like Jason and I like the work he does, but I understand why other people don't. Sometimes Jason pushes the boat out, but I think that's because of years of people just giving him inane nonsense, like we literally just talked about on the internet, because he does his job. And thank God he does his job. Because Jason has done so much good work regarding Crunch specifically that they changed policies at the place I actively worked at years ago and suffered a crunch at. They changed policies at Rockstar because of Jason's expose about Rockstar for Kotaku. That actively made my friends who work at Rockstar's lives better and more fair because of his reporting. Because nobody did it beforehand. So I don't give a shit if you review games, Colin Moriarty, or like that. You cannot criticize somebody whose job it is to report on this god. Like, this nonsense. So that's the first point. I think that is really important to say. Now, the other really important part of this is the... This is just a short burst of extra work that benefits the workers in the end, monetarily and professionally. Short that burst. is 100% wrong. You it, it, you, you, it is so wrong. That turned out... To be embarrassingly wrong. It, but it's not even if we're just taking the timeline from when this tweet happened, which is, I think, in October Sep to November. September to 29th, like exactly one month before the delay. We're not talking about this. And this is not just, ah, I know people who work at the video games industry. <laughs> I do actually know people who work at CD Projekt Red, and I know what's happening in CD Projekt But this is not how it works. These guys will have been crunching for a year to a year and a half because they have deadlines in between before a game's release. Imagine a game is broken up into sprints, right? And every time you run a sprint, you're working 100%, you're, you're keep on going, keep on going as fast as possible. You get to the end of that line, but there's another sprint tomorrow. And then there's another sprint after that. And there's another sprint. That's how video game development works in AAA. People have to keep going through these sprints, and these sprints mean that you work six days a week, that you work 12 hours a day, that you work 14 hours a day, you do it for six months, you get a month break, then straight back out to it because you've got another deadline. And video games take three to four years to make. In the case of Cyberpunk, it's been like, what, eight years? And during that whole time, they will have multiple deadlines. Different alphas, different betas, different multiplayer, different testing inside that needs internal, and they need these deadlines hit so they can keep the production on schedule. And how do you reach those deadlines? You make all of your staff overwork. Now, this will have been going on for years. This isn't six extra days in fucking October to get the game finished. They will have been crunching and doing six days a week for fucking months. So when they are so close to finishing a game and they are told at the same time as everybody else is told, because apparently that's how CD Projekt like, likes to do it, which is fine if that's how they do it. It's not great. But the problem is, it's that the light at the end of the tunnel that these people are seeing, like I have two friends at CD Projekt Red who actively want to leave after this is finished because of how, how just how drained they are of this development because it keeps getting delayed and that happens and it is down to mismanagement. But the point is that 
there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you don't think about release day. You don't think about your bonus. You don't think about all of these things. What you think about is the there and then moment about what you're missing and how tired you are and how drained you are. Like it's Saturday and all of your friends are out doing something. I mean, Corona's not helped this year for that kind of thing. But usually imagine you're on a Saturday and you're like stuck in detention, right? Like it is that kind of feeling. And it drains you. Yes, you can be passionate about your job, but can you be passionate for years and years and do nothing else and dedicate yourself? Yes, you might be desperate to work in the games industry and say, yes, you can do that. But I can guarantee you after a couple of years, you will be as burnt out as everybody else. And these six extra days are not just six extra days. They are the light of the tunnel getting further and further away. And then the game got delayed to December. So those people who will have been crunching for those six extra days will be doing another six extra days. And then on top of that, the day one pack the DLC, the next-gen part that comes after it next year. It is a non-stop train. There is a reason huge AAA studios have massive turnovers after projects, because these things never stop, because people don't stop crunching, and that's kind of what we live in. Yes, before it was great. Oh, everybody jokes about, lol, we didn't have day one updates and all this kind of stuff when a game launched. We didn't. And also, when developers made a game, when the game went into the cartridge and they sold it, That was it. The game was done. You move on to the next game and you got to take a sabbatical. You got to take a break and then start pre-production on something else. That doesn't happen in AAA because money is too important for DLC, for updates, for continued support. Like, I don't know how live games do it. And this is why his tweet and why people who support this, who understand this from that viewpoint are wrong. And I don't mean that you don't understand. It's just that you have to believe people like Jason who are doing the reporting on this kind of thing, that this is the reality. Cyberpunk looks fucking great. Yes, and it is because a lot of people worked really hard on it for a long time. But the reality is that those people are not as excited about that game as you because they are drained and they it's their day job And all of that luster and everything goes away because you just kind of want to be done with it. Same as anybody who works on a project for too long. Try to think about you doing your job and then being told every Saturday you have to come in 12 hours a day, 13 hours a day. Yes, they get to work in video games, but that's not the point. The point, all of that novelty goes away just like anything that's exciting when you do it too much. And then it becomes your job and you have to go to your job six times a week and you have to do it for 14 hours a day. Crunch is important because it takes away somebody who has a kid who then doesn't see their kid for six months for a year grow up because they were working six days a week people who get married and then have to just postpone their honeymoons because they have to work a deadline that is the reality of crunch The, the reality is it can never not happen in video games it can never not happen because things get delayed things go wrong but in indie games you never see it because there is more flexibility about how we work around projects now. Early access, this, uh, you know, delaying updates, being honest with the community. AAA is still so much money that it is impossible to do those things. But there needs to be stuff in place that makes sure it doesn't happen on end. People working crunch like six months at a time. It's, it's a joke. Crunch is defined by, oh, a month period where you work really hard to get that extra sprint in to get that thing finished. But that is not what happens. So when somebody goes around who, by the way, Colin Moriarty might know a lot about games, but he doesn't know anything about video game development. I know he he worked with a external studio to make a game that's in his name. He didn't work on that game. Like he doesn't know about video game development. Whatever he thinks, he's never been in the trenches getting a game finished. So shut up. Like if you if you it's like it's like armchair sports people, right? Like 
we all joke about things that we don't, you, we're fans of that we can give advice about, but we actually don't know what we're talking about. But it's part of the novelty, isn't it? It's like armchair sports people who comment on football or golf or whatever, like, oh, I can't believe you missed that shot. What the fuck is he thinking? But they're not the professional sports stars, right? And like, if you actually tried to tell Tiger Woods how to play golf, you'd look like a jackass. It is almost the same thing. Just it, if you don't know what you're talking about, don't comment like inane nonsense it's so funny because i double checked colin's twitter feed after the cyberpunk got delayed not a single tweet about it nothing he didn't update he didn't say anything he didn't update it because of course because he knows he should have shut the fuck up in the first place because this is not the right thing to do and it's like this kind of misinformation similar to other the problems we have in the world now where people have an opinion on something that they don't know about that turns into misinformation, that turns into people believing him, and then people attack the people who work on these games who are complaining about crunch. People who complain at me about the GTA tweets I've made in the past. Like, just everybody, just hold your horses. Listen to people who might know more. Like, this whole, like, truth issue we have now in reality. Same expands with video game development. And maybe people who, like... Like Jason, who, who people don't agree with sometimes, and that is totally fine, and you don't have to like him, but his job is to report on video game news. And when he does an expose about crunch and stuff like that, just read it. And maybe digest the fact that the anonymous comments from people inside of studios who commented to him are real, but those people are afraid of losing their jobs. Please, it is such an issue in video games right now and it's the reason why we don't see that many older people in video games or you see a lot of older people who then convert to indie because unless you're a director in AAA, like it's an unsustainable lifestyle you're either a bachelor you don't have a family and you know that's it you just dedicate yourself to it gotta worry about them kids we need it needs to change it really does like at q we really try hard to make sure we have rules in place so people have to ask for permission to stay late when we we make sure we keep a cap on the amount of hours per month we do a lot of things that are against the traditional japanese norms because it's really important and i've discussed this internally with my teams multiple times we had people staying past 8 p.m and that was that was not on like on scrappers we were sending them home making sure that it wasn't a repeat thing because people work better when they're not fucking tired and when they feel inspired to come to work and do something because they know they can go home and, and accomplish other things, you know, whether it's furthering other skills or spending time with their family or just recreational time, watching Netflix, playing Yakuza 7, like whatever. If people have that time, they are much better, much more productive, and it's really important. God damn it. I'm sorry for the rant, but it's, I knew this was happening, but it needed to be said. And this is the reality, whether you believe me or not. Preach, brother. Like, just, Preach. I'm sorry. Like, I don't really have any thoughts about Colin beyond that tweet because I didn't watch IGM when he was there. I don't know about when he was at Kind of Funny. I don't know what he does now. But his tweets and his attacking of Jason just looks petty, amateur, and singles him out as somebody who just doesn't understand. And that's the worst thing you can do when you're a professional is make yourself look stupid. And that's what those tweets did. One, one thing that, that kills me about the spread of media like this is uh, that not enough people are going to be paying attention to the bylines and the dates and a lot of like oh, just screenshots of stupid headlines that you see. And when you see this already stupid tweet and then see that the date attached to it is September 29th, that adds another dimension of hilarity. Like he's claiming the team is being asked to pay to, to stay and get paid for seven extra days. And here we are in mid-November 
and the game is still not out. Considering the date alone, like that's enough to to poke so many holes into this theory that that he's putting out. Really important point here as well that I I neglected to point out just on that six days monetary thing. Yes, the bonus thing might happen, but the reality is a lot of these, especially senior people in studios, are salaried positions, which means they don't get paid overtime. That's how they get you. So you get paid a good salary, but you could actually, especially if crunch keeps going on and you're working overtime, you could be basically out of pocket because you chose the salary. Oh, they gave you a salaried position. So you're working overtime for free. And that happens in a lot of studios. It used to happen at Rockstar. It's, it, I think it's changed now there where you Dude. get paid overtime on top of your salary, but that sometimes disqualifies you from overtime pay. Back back when I was younger, working in restaurants, that's that's even how it worked in America. Like like in the bottom lower rungs of the service industry. Once you get promoted to manager and get a salary, you're staying there longer than forty hours a week. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm sorry we did it again, but it's really important that these things do get talked about. And yes, obviously, having experienced it, it's something I'm quite passionate to talk about. But I'm sorry, Paul, like, you know, you could see where Colin's coming from. Like, trust me, I hope after this you can't because it's it's a joke. He's wrong. He's, he doesn't understand. He doesn't know internally what's going on with certain teams. Like, it, it's a joke. You cannot just offhanded say, oh, it's only six extra days. What the fuck are they complaining about? People like to talk about things they don't understand a lot. They don't. And they and, just and I, don't. I'm saying I like I try I'm pretty sure I've done it before and I try everybody not to oh, do it. Yeah, yeah, no, we're all guilty. Yeah. We're super we're all guilty. guilty here. But like when you're on the internet like yelling angrily and I don't know, man. You might need to I, I just don't careful. think we've gotten angrily defensive about it. <laughs> we've said a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, no. We've always been like, oh okay, we were wrong. Okay. You know, like Colin has like yeah. hundred and sixty thousand Twitter followers. Yeah, How did that happen? Good. And he's like, you know, a prominent voice in video games. Like, it's if it's this type of person who is spreading this kind of misinformation about stuff, like that's, that's another a, can a of mass, worms. That's a yeah. massive audience of people who are just going to believe him because they like who he is, right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Just, just look at the date. Just look at the date on the tweet, and that's. It's it's so wrong how like the timeline and the date they don't match and that's not how it turned out and it's like it's aged like milk it's it's anyway like milk um the Oculus is discontinuing the Rift S oh no <laughs> I'm sorry I just I just looked that up and it's nice pivot me off. news was twenty minutes and a whole Liam <laughs> rant ago <laughs> that's how we measure units. Head. Also, I'm uh, actually kind of real sad about that discontinuation of the Rift yes. S, but yeah, yeah, I have one over there. That, that means that means I have to get a, a, a Oculus Quest two or wait for something else to come out that's that's as good as that. Yeah, that's putting a on a headset pivot, without tracking or anything and just fucking going. The the WMR lineup I think might be the best bet at this point. The what? Which one? The Windows Mixed Reality stuff. No. Is it inside out tracking? <laughs> no. On those things? I no. think they have one now that came out recently that has inside out tracking. The 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 HP one? Yeah, maybe that does the, seem the, to kind the, of ring a bell. The, the new one that came out that's supposed to be. See the thing is uh, all, that, all I is know that is the, it's new. The the 
the the actual controllers don't track as well as it. See, that's the thing is that the Oculus still tracks better. But anyways, anyways. on I set up the Rift S onto uh the Sheriff C. Oh, um, never mind. Hey, hey dads, Sorry. I thought we were on L A S. Oh, uh, we're we're on we're on, we're on Sheriff Crawdaddy. Crawdaddy. Uh, Sheriff Crawdaddy here. I'm Crawdaddy. currently finishing off my practicum in a secondary high school as a music teacher, and the students bloody love Among Us on mobile. For the sake of conversation, do you think Among Us could be used in a school curriculum, maybe in a social science unit? Yeah, why not? I think it's a very good explanation into the psyche of lying and betrayal and misinformation. <laughs> why not? I think it's very surface level, but... You could spin it. Yeah, you could spin, could spin it, it. But people are just going to play to play, I feel. It's not like Minecraft. Minecraft, you can, you like, could, totally see educational... You could do trust exercises, maybe, with it. Um, trust exercises. Oh, oh for, for, like, team team building courses? Like, yeah. like extracurricular ones where the, the kids with, uh, you know, more time and you know, more you, parents I, I, with more I time? Don't know, I don't know <laughs> if you have this TV show in America, but we had, we had a TV show called Golden Balls in the UK. Nope. It was like a quiz Never show. Wait, 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 you have two, you end up with two people and, the, and there's a, there's a, there are two balls at the end. <laughs> And uh, and each ball has a value. You're you're, you're screwing with us, right? No, no you're not. Google it's here. It. No, oh, God. I can't remember the exact rules, but you have two people, and there are two balls in the middle. With each has a monetary value. <laughs> one obviously is very very low, and one can be very very high. And the idea is that between the two people, they have to choose to either split to be able to take the same the the amount of money together and split it, like the large one. Or somebody can try and steal it, right? It's the what is it called? The prisoner's dilemma or something like that. Oh yes. Yeah. Right? And like it's basically that as a game show. Yeah. And yeah. and then the other can choose to steal it, right? And they kind of reveal a ball towards each other, like whereas it's like split or steal. And the one who steals, and if the other guy splits, but if they both steal, then they both lose the money, right? Um you yeah, Among Us is kind of like that sometimes. <laughs> Man, these guys look so un uncomfortable beside each other. Like they're looking at each other. They're like, "Oh, yeah. I'm gonna steal like, it. Are, you, are gonna... you gonna steal it? Oh, are you gonna split it?" Like, yeah, dude, holy split shit! Or steal. I I would definitely split. But the thing is, <laughs> he's winking at him. <laughs> yeah, you have Go to ahead. realize who who you were against, though. Like that's the thing, isn't it? It's yeah. like Among Us, right? It's like, who are you against? And I'm, I'm do you against, trust them? I'm against the YouTube algorithm after typing I in golden George balls. I know George would steal. I know he would steal. Is mm. that the optimal strategy? I'll just do the optimal strategy. <laughs> Which is stealing. George, is, George would absolutely steal. I second that. George would steal. I think George would steal. Honestly. Maybe George I would, would use my, steal from me my poker face to, to make you guys thing. think I would steal. No, George would do that thing where he'd be really remorseful but he would still do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> he takes the whole pile. Uh, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm guessing then you would you would have this in in some kind of advanced social studies class about uh the 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 desperation of poverty and the privilege of white collar crime. 
<laughs> and and how poor people well, commit crimes because because they need to, and rich people commit crimes because they think they can get away with it and get a thrill out of it, and also maybe because they want to lower their their taxes and, and hoard their money. <laughs> we always you. go back to the taxes. <laughs> um, I mean, what is Among Us if not a game about oh, shedding off okay. unnecessary burdens from the systems of your community? Well, you're talking about killing people? Uh, as a metaphor for taxes, you know, if I was Colin Moriarty, that metaphor would make a lot of sense. Let the weak, um, um, get fired. Yeah, let let the weak, uh... And the people who could handle crunch survive. Pay their own taxes. Hey, don't worry, just make a TikTok video and you'll get more crunch hours. And, and... <laughs> more crunch hours. Oh, that sounds believe. so crunchy. Is Colin Moriarty still using the at no tax? Yes, yes, he is! At okay, no anyways, no at no taxation is, is is Twitter handle. But I I always thought that was I I hate that I have a Twitter feed full of like Angry Joe fans who are mad about Angry Joe talking about politics when he's a video game channel. When there's people like Colin Moriarty who exist who are like actively trying to transition from one to another with a handle like that. I read the comments for our YouTube video last last week and I was talking for literally 10 minutes about one of the biggest presidential elections of all time and people were like, eh, let me skip the politics. And it's like, no, it was just 10 minutes. What show have you been listening to for like three years? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just if you're skipping the politics, you must have voted for the wrong guy. <laughs> because that's the only thing we talk about. It's just 10 minutes. It's just it's, it's fine. I no, know. no. Interesting. We, we, no. we can cash that in. It's very interesting. Oof, man, if you can separate voting from Trump and and listening to us, man, power to you, man. That that's some that's some like that's some Bad serious love right, right there. there. And I appreciate that love. I appreciate it. I don't understand you, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you think? Uh, I think we got time for one more. Oh, 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 but wait, wait, let me do, let me do, let me do the segue again. Uh, instead of the Rift S. Oh, I, I guess now might be a good time to talk about the Elliot S. <laughs> Excellent. This is wait, why we're professionals. Wait, yeah. Matt, hold up. I'm, I'm, I'm rewinding a bit. Did you bring up the Oculus S just because it sounds kind of like Elliot S's name here? Um, it, that might have been subconscious. Yeah, maybe. Oh, you should have taken. You should have taken the credit. You should have a hundred percent taken the credit. <laughs> El- El- Elliot S uh, says, "I have a question about games as control schemes and how these help or hinder your experience." I've been playing a lot of MGS3 recently, which, as you know, has a really weird control scheme. I wouldn't change it for the world, however. To me, it's how Metal Gear is supposed to feel. I felt that the games in the series after 3 lost a bit of their identity when adopting regular third-person control layouts. Anyways, I kind of miss games having unconventional or odd control schemes, since I think it adds personality and is something I usually remember years after having played them. Oh. Yeah. But on the other hand, having established control schemes means that you don't have to waste time explaining them to experienced gamers. What do you think, dads? In what way do control schemes add to the experience versus act as a hurdle between the player and immersion? It's like having the jump button on like B or some shit like that. Oh, that messes me up that so much. That me up a lot. It's just like, yeah. no, guys, come on. And I sometimes go in that menu and switch it. <laughs> one, one thing they mentioned in the letter that I didn't even really consider is, is uh, how it's it adds something 
I usually remember years after having playing them. And that's the thing I don't think I even noticed until just now thinking about it. It's like, I remember the feeling my hand has in Metal Gear Solid 3 when uh, like, I, I also remember like the feel of the claw grip I give the controller to, to Dark Souls. Like those memories are associated with those games in a way that I don't, I don't, I do not remember what my hands were doing when I was playing MGS4. Five, on the other hand, had great ass controls. I remember loving how much I was tickling the analog stick and then seeing oh, how many gradations of movement your character has for that, which Death Stranding did really cool too as well. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I've said my piece about how much I love weird control schemes. I love weird genres, weird control schemes, weird menus, a, a weird way to interface with the game. Um, I, I, I am a fan of that. I, I'm, I'm really digging Not For Broadcast right now, which is a cute little indie game where you uh, like real-time video edit as your primary game mechanism and nothing else controls like this game. Nothing looks like this game. And I, I, I get jazzed about that to, so, okay, to the uh, bee's uh, knees. Uh, uh, okay. So I feel like that's fine. I feel like if you have a game that ha- needs an alternate control scheme, because it's got an interesting game mechanic, that's fine. Mm-hmm. However, However, I <laughs> don't think games you want the jump button. On that the, had on tank control. No, no, no. The games All that right. had tank controls and stuff like that necessarily are good. Like, Hell no. It was a case of limitation in the past. And yes, it might have nostalgic personality, but if you go back to play those games, I almost guarantee you, you'll put it down after 10 minutes because. No, man. George like won't. Like, George just already said. He said he liked the controls of Metal Gear Solid 5 because, <laughs> I mean,. It's a well-polished AAA game that has standardized controls. I mean, what do you want me to say? Resident mm-hmm. Evil Remake and, and the Silent Hill Trilogy all had um, kind of sort of camera-relative controls where you would move the stick and your character would move in that direction, not so much tank controls. And yeah, those exactly. things review well, they age well. Yeah, but Resident Evil 2 aged really well, and the remake review, I mean, reviewed really well and was received really well, and it changed to... A Resident Evil 5 third-person action combat style. I mean, a big thing about this, and I think everybody should watch Rasputin's video of playing games as a non-gamer, where he asks his wife to play a game. I think that's a really good referential video for this kind of thing. Games have a universal language, which is controls. Controller. Like, you play Gears of War, you play Gears Tactics, you play Forza Horizon, you play Ikenfell, you play Yakuza, you all do it through the same controller, right? Big barrier to entry for a lot of games is when you start fucking with that language that you understand like jump is a and then jump is b and while i think games that have quirky unique mechanics that you learn the controls to be better at that mechanic i think games that have you know like metal gear maybe or even with the demon souls remake they've changed it so it's omnidirectional rolling instead of the four directional rolling of the original that kind of stuff is getting over the limitations of the past and being more in line with what is the universal language of playing games. And I think that's important for everybody to be able to access games. But if you have something that needs unique controls, because that's what the gameplay requires, I think that's totally fine. And like, you know, stuff like WarioWare or Rhythm Heaven or something like that, that's so fun because it does quirky, unique things with the controls. It's great. But if you have an action game that just has fucked up controls for no other reason than it just has them, 
I don't think that's necessarily well, a good the, thing. The, the question is whether or not it has the reason. And as you brought up, like back in the day, tank control horror games were a result of of the limitations. Uh, yeah, exactly. What's, what's the saying? Like limitation breeds creativity. Like it was a smart way of dealing with it. It's like Elliot said he wouldn't change. It. Yeah. And I and I remember I remember playing like. MGS3 on the Nintendo 3DS, like that remake that had like original tank controls and was limited by the fact that the, the game only had one stick versus playing the Vita HD remake. And there is one I would way prefer to play over the other, even with still the quirky. Yeah, it's, it's totally a case by case thing. But what I've always yeah. feared is that lack of creativity going away with the lack of technological limitations. But that's but that's the game, right? That's not the control. Like, I think this is the sort of maybe the barrier that we're talking about here. Like, you don't need to be creative in the, with controls in a new Resident Evil game, whereas if you have something, or a new Metal Gear game, but if you have something that is like the game you were just describing, right, that has unique gameplay actions that require for that kind of thing. Like, let's say Astrobot that just came out that uses the controller in all different ways and the control yeah. schemes are changing all the time. That requires that changes, and then you'll remember that because the controller is a part of the experience. Once you start with a game that has the resemblance that it uses the universal language of games in it, like an action game, like Resident Evil or like uh, Metal Gear, and you and you change that just because you can... I don't think that's necessarily a good thing at all. Um, it creates a barrier already and people have to relearn stuff. It's like this whole, you know, PlayStation 5 being X is accept zero, uh, and uh, Circle is back. Whereas in Japan, that's really fucked with a lot of players because in Japan, it's been for the 20 years of PlayStation, the reverse way around. On, on, on a case by case situation by situation basis you can see all sorts of exceptions mm. arrive and arise and one of the things that i think is the coolest is something hunt showdown does where you have to hold an extra button to aim your gun your character's default stance has their gun like waved across their shoulder you hold down right click then your character aims it at the hit then you hold down shift and your character actually puts it up to their face and aims down the sight. And it's complicated and two extra steps required to point a gun and shoot at someone than usual. But it's for an important reason. And it's because your um, gun won't clip out of the cover you're hiding in in your hiding spot. Because it's supposed yeah. to be kind of a stealth game. So your default stance has your character taking a narrower silhouette. There isn't a long metal tube that's going to be sticking out of the bush you're hiding in or, or through the, the walls you're aiming through. And uh, it takes an extra button to aim at someone because they want you to take that extra time for the shot. Like it's a game yeah, all about sounds, preparing. Yeah. So everything leans towards reacting. the gameplay, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a situational case by case thing, but the controls are weird and hard to learn mm. and have gotten me killed a lot. The, the flip side of that is, is you see other players panic with the controls. If you if you surprise them off guard, you'll see other players like run around in a circle and and overcook their grenade and blow themselves up just because of uh, how how much work that game wants out of you. Just when it comes to pointing and hiding in a spot. Well, yeah, you've already just described what is a part of the problem, right? Is that those players, uh, their barrier for even just playing the, the game difficulty is the fact that they're fighting with the controls. But that's a part of that experience and it helps you when you learn it. So it's not such a bad thing, but you can already see the ups and downs of it 
of messing with controls that are it's, different from the norm. It's horror adjacent. And I think a big part of the experience of, of gamifying the cinematic horror moments is when the character is struggling to escape from a monster because they're tripping over themselves. They're fumbling with their car keys. <laughs> there's stuff in the way of the room that they're slapping out of the way as, as the serial killer is chasing after them. And games are such a power trip that... It's so it's so tempting for them not to want to to gamify those moments of panic, like when you don't feel in control. And that's part of the entertainment. That's part of the story they're telling. Mm. I think the control scheme should be able to add some emotions and hardships for the sake of the experience and the story. I'm hoping so. uh, I'm hoping with all the stuff we hear about the dual sense now that people are going to do more more interesting things. Yeah, uh, like what if uh uh like the Metal Gear Solid 6. Oh no, you have to shoot the character you you loved for the whole game, but the trigger's extra extra hard. Right, you have to squeeze happen. it really hard. Yeah, fuck happen. yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in for stuff like that. Let's do it. Like uh, somebody was saying that the new MP- NBA games the more tired a player gets, the harder it is to pull down on the trigger to oh, sprint. Oh, that's cute. That's real See, cute. See, that kind of stuff. That That is where we should be going. That yeah. is unique. It's like that's, purposeful. That's what I love about VR games so much, is that you'll panic. You'll, you'll screw things up and it'll feel natural. And that's what I love about weird control schemes, is when you can panic and screw things up, but it'll still feel natural, I guess, yeah. is the line I like. Exactly. That's the kind of dumb shit we need to be going for. Like, I don't want to just sit down and, and have the game play itself, you know? The game's playing itself. That doesn't happen as much as it used to. Like, uh, those, those, those glut of 2009 military shooters really, really were much more passive experiences than what I think we got before and after. Liam, are you the only one that still doesn't have a VR headset? I've had one for months now to when I played Alex, but it's not mine. It's it's a friend's that oh, okay. he, he has, like... And you haven't touched done... it. Yeah, okay. I haven't touched it yet. You should play Squadrons. It's so good. I, I I have it queued up. I have it queued up to do so at some point. When I set that, when I set it up again, uh, that'll be the first thing I play. Well, speaking of fun, just like this podcast was, like like this podcast, this, just this like this fun, podcast. fun, enjoyable, entertaining, adequate podcast. This this very okay podcast. Give it five stars. Just do it, please. I'm begging. Where, where, where do you give it five? <laughs> on stars? iTunes. On just iTunes. Just do it on iTunes. That's where. That's the where the SEO money is. Just, just do it there, please. We 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 have a Patreon that will give you access to 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 a fun a fun Discord. Yeah, so good. We we are also partnered with with Nebula. If you're into documentaries, um, the the Curiosity mm. Stream bundle is something you'll hear all about. Uh, dynamically added into into episodes of this podcast. Look at us, the professionals. The professionals, right? I, like once we say this stuff, we like we don't know what else. Just kind of dip out. Or like, what do we do? We've never had this kind of responsibility. <laughs>